Good morning, First Baptist family. Today we're going to be reading James chapter 1, verses 1 through 12. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes in the dispersion, greetings. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith, with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like the wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Let their lowly brother boast in exaltation and their riches in his humiliation. Because like a flower of the grass, he will pass away. For the sun rises with its scorching heat and withers the grass. Its flower falls and its beauty perishes. So also will the rich man fade away in the midst of all his pursuits. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Thank you so much, Jenny, for reading that for us this week. Uh, I want to start today by uh, starting a new series today. We're going to spend a few weeks, uh, and then we'll see how this text from James chapter 1 uh, relates to us as we go through uh, this series. I've, I've titled this series, Survivor. And, of course, we can think back to, to how uh, this virus, how these last several days has impacted us and Today I want us to think about God's purpose in difficulty or God's purpose in trials. And as we start this series, the goal over these next few weeks is going to, to be to help us frame some kind of, of understanding of what it means to go through adversity as people of God. And not just to go through the adversity and not just to survive, but to actually thrive during that time of adversity. I guess you could say that for the next four weeks, my objective is to make you suffer. Go ahead, it's all right, laugh at home, it's fine. It's jokes at church are just as funny as they are at home. Uh, but we're going to talk about suffering the next several weeks, and, and hopefully I won't make you suffer too much as we go through this time together. But as we look this morning at the book of James, as you heard Jenny read the text to us, and, and we'll look at a couple of more verses in that text uh, uh, even more closely as we move through our time this morning. But James knows what it's like to experience suffering. James knows what it's like to, uh, to go through times of adversity and difficulty and from his writing, he helps us see God's purpose in those trials. He's, he's writing this letter to, to really some blue-collar Christians who were, who were trying to keep their head above the water. They're trying to do what God called them to do. And they are realizing that following Jesus is not as easy as they might have been led to believe. They are realizing that there are bumps in the road, that there are pits in which they have fallen. They are realizing there's some difficulty in being a follower of Jesus. In fact, if you look back at verse 1, when it mentions that there were the 12, it's written to the 12 tribes in the dispersion, that is that these are believers who have been 
forcibly dispersed from their homes. They have fled because of persecution. They are going through some difficult times, much like we have seen in our lives over these last several weeks to various degrees. And each, people, each person has had a, a difference of uh, difficulty or degree of difficulty in the storm in which we're facing, but we all have experienced what it's like to go through difficulties, go through hardships, go through a season of suffering, not just in these last weeks, but some of us have experienced that throughout most of our lives. There have been long seasons of suffering. There have been, for some, shorter seasons of suffering. But the bottom line is, we all need to learn how to survive and thrive in those moments. We all need to learn how we can respond to suffering, how we can respond to adversity, even in these days, in the way that God would have us respond. And so this morning, as we look at the book of James, as we think about God's purpose in trials, I want to mention to you three things that, that James mentions that enables us to better understand the purpose of God in our trials. Now, the first thing I want you to notice is this, that, that James explains to us the perspective we need to have as we go through trials. So he first talks to us about the perspective we should have. Now I want to reread for you, and if you've got your Bible open, read along with me, to go back and to look at verses 2, 3, and 4, where James says to count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. You see, we have a choice when it comes to trials and adversity and suffering, of how we view them. What is our perspective as we go through the storms of life? What perspective do we have as we encounter suffering? Now, James gives us a biblical perspective. James, what he does in these two verses, he shows us how God wants us to see our suffering, our difficulty. And when we use God's perspective, it allows us to move on and to do some things that we'll talk about a little bit later. But what is the perspective that James says we are to have if we're going to understand God's purpose in trials? Well, for starters, notice that James says this, we need to have a perspective of reality. A perspective of reality. Now, I wanna, I'm going to try my best. You would think it'd be easy to not get on a soapbox when there's just a few people in the sanctuary who've been helping us, but it's, 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 uh, it's, it's challenging. So I'm going to try not to get on my soapbox here. But uh, there, there has been fed to the people of God a lie from behind pulpits that will even be perpetrated behind pulpits today. And that lie basically tells us that if we follow Jesus, everything is a bed of roses. But as the famous rock star theologians once taught us, every rose has its thorn. And as we go through life, it's not a bed of roses. 
As we go through life, we have to have a perspective of reality that James says that we are to count it all joy when you meet trials. That's interesting language. When you meet trials of various kinds. It's not a question of if. It's a question of when. When you, and he uses the word there, meet trials. That's interesting. Because the word, the Greek word for meet, means that you have a close-up, in-your-face encounter. And what James is hinting at, you don't have to go looking for difficulty. Difficulty will come looking for you. You don't have to go try to find it. It will find you. And we need to have this perspective of reality. Just go ahead and say, look, we know that as we go through a life, we're going to face these seasons of adversity. And it may be that. It may be seasons that they aren't brief. They aren't one and done. He uses the word various. And that word various in that verse, in verse 2, does not mean different. That word various means plentiful. He's telling us there will be plenty of opportunities. So let's just go ahead and admit at the outset that the perspective we need to have if God's going to accomplish his purpose in our lives through trials is to have this perspective of reality that, yes, difficulties will come. Yes, we may go through this season, and in three, four, five, six weeks, we we may look back at this season and go, okay, we're past that, but then there may be another season of difficulties in which we encounter to have a perspective of reality. But at the same time, God wants us to have not just a perspective of reality, he wants us to have a perspective of joy. A perspective of joy. So this is the perspective God wants us to have. A perspective of reality and a perspective of joy. Notice what he says, to count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. Every trial we experience can be, must be viewed from a perspective of joy. Count it all joy. That means every trial. Now, let's just be honest. That seems like the dumbest thing in the world at first glance. That seems so odd. I have an incurable disease. Woohoo! I mean, does that not sound odd to you? That if that's what we believe James is saying, I have cancer. Let's rejoice over that. Does that not seem a little bit odd? But the reason it seems odd is because it is, and that's actually not what James is telling us to do. We tend to read it as James saying, okay, regardless of what happens, we have to put on a happy face. That's not what he says. Notice the imperative in this verse, what we're told to do. James does not say to act joyous when you go through difficulties, but he said, count it as all, this is so important. He says, count it as all joy. James is not dismissing the emotion of our trials. He's not trying to, to tell us to, to wipe away any feelings of grief or pain. The word count, that is a mathematical term. 
Okay, when you count something, you're, you're doing something usually in finance to, to count. You, it means that you need to calculate. You need to consider. And what James is telling us when he says count it all joy, he is saying you need to consider what is happening to you through a completely different lens than what you would naturally do. And the lens through which you consider it is a lens of joy because for a believer, for a person who has a relationship with God the Father through Jesus Christ, that person can find joy in the midst of suffering because there is something about that relationship that transcends difficult circumstances because you know, even though you might be able to see it, you know something to be true about what you are experiencing. And what James is saying is, look, you need to look at this through a different lens because what you are going through is based on something that God is doing in this trial, in this difficulty, that you cannot see, and it's actually glorifying Him. You have to receive that in faith as an act of joy, not just by what you can see, but by what you believe God is accomplishing behind the scenes. So our perspective then is a perspective of reality. It's a, it's a perspective of joy, but also don't discount this truth that God wants us to have a perspective of development. A perspective of development. And that is to say that God is accomplishing something in our lives. He's developing us through our difficulties through our hardships, that even over these last several weeks of having to deal with the headaches and and the difficulties, and and look, we know that some people have suffered greatly over these last several weeks, that some of you listening, you've lost your jobs, you've been laid off of work, your hours have been reduced. Some of you uh, high school kids, your school year, as you learned yesterday, is done. You seniors, we're praying for you. We know that your senior year's not going nearly as you thought it would. Teachers, we're praying for you. We realize that, that yesterday was a nail in your heart, and, and you're heartbroken, and, and, and parents, we're praying for you. We know that you're thinking, what am I going to do uh, with, the, with the coming? My kids are at home. we got bills to pay. Uh, we know people are suffering, but let me ask you, let me implore you to, to view it from this perspective. What is God going to accomplish in your life in this season? And it, the only way he's going to accomplish that is because of this season. That is to say, God is doing something in your life, and you'll be able to look back and see it, and the only way that God will accomplish it is through adversity. There are things that God does in our lives when we face difficulties that we will not experience in any other ways. Let me, and I didn't plan to go here, but I'm going here anyway. You can turn me off if you'd like to. I prefer you not, though. Hang with me. The Apostle Paul writes in Philippians, and he says, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings. See, Paul realized there was something about enduring suffering for Jesus that allowed him 
to enter this level of a relationship with Jesus that he could not enter unless there was suffering involved. After all, as we'll see at the end of this, Jesus was a man who knew what it was like to suffer. And so James talks about this thing that God's developing in us, this perseverance, and and we need to have that perspective that when we go through difficulties, it's not all doom and gloom, that yes, it may be difficult, but that God is working in us. This is a, a perspective of reality, but God is accomplishing something in us that he may not accomplish in normal circumstances. So this then is the perspective we should have. And once we have that perspective, James helps us understand, secondly, the response we should make. So we've got the perspective that we should have, and then we have the response we should make. What do I do? What do I do when I face seasons of difficulty? What do I do when I realize that I am in a fight for survival in this life? What do I do when difficulty arises? Let me read to you again. You can read along with me, verses 5 through 11. James kind of lets us know what we are to do. In James 1, 5, it says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask him uh, ask of God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, but the one for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that's driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation, and the rich in his humiliation, because like a flower of the grass he will pass away. For the sun rises with its scorching heat and withers the grass, its flower falls, and its beauty perishes. So also will the rich man fade away in the midst of his pursuits. What does James tell us our response should be? Let's, let's break down real quick what he says. As we go through adversity, as we seek to understand God's purpose in trials, James tells us to do a couple of things. One, he says that we should respond to trials by seeking God's wisdom. We respond to trials by seeking God's wisdom. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. Now, the word here for wisdom, when James, is, when James mentions wisdom in, in verse 5, he's not talking about intellectual insight so much as he's talking about faith wisdom. So this idea of wisdom, this is to, to recognize and understand that God works in mysterious ways and that we cannot figure out all of those mysterious ways. That God is doing something in this mess, and we just don't exactly know what it is from our wisdom. We need the wisdom of God. So to seek God's wisdom means that we say to God, God, I don't understand what's happening right now. God, I don't understand why. I don't understand why me. I don't understand why now, but I know you. 
and I understand something about you, and I know that you are good, and I know that you are sovereign, and God, I need your wisdom, I need your strength to view this in a completely different way that will allow Christ to be sufficient in my life. God's wisdom is us saying, God, I need you to carry me through this, to seek the wisdom of God but also to note that we should respond to trials by trusting God's character. We respond by seeking God's wisdom, but we also respond by trusting God's character. This is how we seek God's wisdom. It's by trusting His character in our trials. Look at what he says, or read with me what he says in verses 6 and 8 again. The one who asks for wisdom must ask in faith with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that's driven and tossed by the wind. For that person, the person who doubts, must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. That person is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. How many of you are at home with someone unstable right now? That was meant to be a moment of levity, okay? So stop looking at your kids. Kids, don't look at your parents. Look at what he's saying. Let me illustrate it this way. Take a dad who's teaching his kid how to swim. And they go to the deep end of the pool. And the dad says, okay, son, jump. I'll catch you. The child at that moment is double-minded. The child knows what he believes to be true about his dad, that my dad wouldn't tell me to jump if he didn't intend to catch me. But the child also knows what it is to jump into deep water and have no one there to catch you. Okay? He, 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 he's trusting in his dad, but he's also trusting in what he knows about deep water and the fact that he can't swim. And that child in that moment is double-minded. It's unstable in the action he's going to take. And what God is telling us through James, you know, sometimes we can look at our situation. We can say, God, I trust you. I just don't trust the situation in front of me. And then it becomes a choice. Do we trust the character of God more than we trust our circumstance? Because what God is saying is that when you look at the pool of trials, you can't dip one toe in that pool and try to keep one foot on the ground. You've got to come in all the way. You're in difficulty. You're in a crisis. But trust me. Jump into my arms. We can trust the character of God. Our task then is to come to our Father fully trusting in His good and loving character, believing Believing that even in our darkest hour, we can cling to him and he will carry us through. We respond to trials by seeking the wisdom of God, by trusting the character of God, but also by relying on God's sufficiency. We rely on God's sufficiency. In verses 9, 10, 11, James talks about 
two types of people, both who struggle with trials, the poor and the wealthy. He speaks to both about what it means for them to rejoice in their trials. The poor, he tells us, the poor have always known difficulty. They have always struggled. And it might be that those who are poor look at those who are rich and they conclude that the fact that they're not like them means that God is somehow judging them or God has somehow punished them. And James says, no, you need to glory in those humble circumstances because Christ can be made glorious because in our weakness, Christ is strong. The poor man, James says, can, can have joy because he knows what it means for Christ to be sufficient. And when he mentions the rich, many people believe the rich are people who had recently lost their wealth, and because of that, they were in humiliation. They were shamed because Somehow all that they had is now stripped away, and, and James tells them, rejoice because you've come to realize that riches and wealth are temporary and that Christ, not wealth, is sufficient in either circumstance, which all of us are in one of the two places, in either circumstance, regardless of our economic or our social status, trials occur and we suffer. And when we do, we need to respond by relying on God's sufficiency, knowing that if Jesus is all we have, Jesus is all that we need. And when we respond by relying on the fact that God is sufficient, it makes a huge difference in how we approach the storms of life. So James tells us first the perspective we should have, and then he tells us the response that we should make, and Finally, James tells us the result that we should expect. The result that we should expect. Okay, as we go, what he's saying here, as we go through trials, we go through adversity, we go through difficult circumstances, if we have the right perspective, and we view this thing from a perspective of reality, we view it from a perspective of joy, we view it from a perspective of development, that God's doing something in us, if we make the right response... That is, if, if we seek the wisdom of God, if we rely on the sufficiency of God, if we trust the character of God, here is the result we should expect. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Simply stated, the result of God accomplishing his purpose in our trials is comfort and assurance of an eternity that's on its way, an eternity that will be spent with him where suffering does not exist. Paul puts it this way in Romans chapter 8 and verse 18, for I considered that the sufferings of this present time of coronavirus, of COVID-19, of death, disease, sickness, and hospitals. I consider that the sufferings of this present time 
are not worth comparing with the glory that is going to be revealed in us. You see, having the proper perspective of trials enables you to know that God is doing something now. He is maturing you. He is sanctifying you. But it also lets you know that God has something else for you on the other side of this life. A day is coming when there is no more suffering. There is no more pain. There is no more suffering and sorrow for the believer of Jesus Christ, for the child of God, hear me well, for the person who's made Jesus their Lord and Savior, you might be enduring a cross right now, but always remember, a crown always follows a cross. Jesus' death led him to a crown. And for those who follow him, as James tells us, when we stand the test when we endure our cross, we will receive the crown of life. And look, when you know that, when you know the results, you can endure the trial. When you know what's coming in eternity, you can endure what you're experiencing right now. Lift your head high, Christian friend. Yes, let, let's not ignore the fact that we're suffering, but let's understand that your trial, your adversity on this life, on this earth, it is as close to hell as you'll ever be. And a day is coming when we no longer have to endure suffering. I don't know what trials you're walking through right now, but I, I do know this. I know there's an enemy who would love to deceive you about your difficulty right now. I know there's an enemy, his name is Satan, and he wants you to believe that God is judging you because of the trial and adversity you're facing. I know there is an enemy whose name is Satan who wants you to believe that in your season of suffering, God has abandoned you and God has forsaken you. But I also want you to know that there is one who speaks truth. See, everything Satan tells you, everything the enemy tells you is a lie. He is a liar, the father of lies. Jesus is truth. And Jesus tells us, that for the child of God there is there therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. That your season of suffering, if you're a follower of Jesus, that's not God's condemnation for you. It's part of living in a fallen world. It's a reminder that we are fallen people. For you see, ultimately what happened is this. God sent his son not to avoid suffering. He sent his son into our suffering so that, A, we, wouldn't, we would never have to suffer alone on this earth, and B, we could one day graduate from this earth and experience an eternity with him while there is no suffering. You need to have a relationship with that kind of God who loves you. Because you're either following that Jesus or you're following the enemy. 
an enemy has nothing for you. He'll feed you a lot of lines that are all lies. He has nothing for you. His goal is very simple. John 10, 10. The thief comes to kill and to steal and to destroy. His goal for you is to keep you separated from Christ for eternity. Thankfully, God is stronger. And thankfully, the Bible tells me that if we confess our sins to God as great as they might be, as massive as our sins might be, that His grace is greater and that He's able to forgive us. So if you are listening to to me today and you've never placed your faith in Jesus Christ, today is the day that God would love for you to turn from your sin and to place your faith in Jesus. Say, preacher, how do I do that? You do that through something we call prayer. Simple as calling out to Jesus right where you are, confessing to God that you are a sinner, admitting your sin before God, agreeing with what God has said about your sin, and then professing your belief, your trust, that Jesus lived the life you could not live. He died the death you should have died. And if you place your faith in him, trusting that his work will save your soul and provide you eternity, in heaven with him. You say, well, I've got some questions about that. Maybe you're at a point to where you've, you're ready to take your next step. And that, that next step might be the, the, the idea of, of salvation, asking Christ to be your Savior. That next step might be you being obedient to the commands of Christ and following the example of Jesus by being baptized. That next step might be that that God has you at a place in your life where you realize that he's placed your heart for ministry here at First Baptist Church and you want to become a part of our family of faith and, and join us as we seek to make an impact in the city of Milton, in Santa Rosa County, the state of Florida, our nation, and our world, that that might be your next step. I don't know what your next step is, but we want to invite you to make that next step. Now, we're not here in a place to where at this point we invite you to walk down an aisle because you're not here to walk down the aisle, but you can still make that decision decision today. If you'll go to our website, fbcmilton.org, and there from that website, fbcmilton.org, you'll see a link that's entitled, My Decision. If you'll click that link, that will again take you to a brief form that you can indicate what decision you'd like to make. Click Submit. That comes directly to my inbox. It comes no one else but me. So if you have a decision you want to make, you go to fbcmilton.org, you can click My Decision, make your decision, and we'll provide you with some resources for you to take that next step. If you've got questions, we'll be glad to try to answer those. You can also text the word decision, okay? The, the word decision. You can text that word to this number, 850391. One six four six. Okay, that's texting the word decision to eight five zero three nine one one six four six. Again, it's going to take you to that form. Submit comes directly to me, or you can shoot me an email. That comes to no one but me. It doesn't get filtered through. You're right to me. Okay, that email, my email address is j russell at fbcmilton.org. J russell 
at fbcmilton.org. We simply want you to take the next step that God's placing upon your heart, and we'd love to walk with you as you work through those next steps. As we prepare to end our time of, of worship today, let me also remind you that you always have the ability to give, that we're still functioning here in our church ministry. We still are trying to, and we are not trying, we are supporting missionaries, and we are trying to uh, get ready for the increase that we'll see in needs in our area, uh, as well as taking care of the regular expenses we have here around the church. Uh, we invite you to continue to give. Many of you have been so faithful to that. Thank you very much. Uh, you can give to us in, in a couple of different ways to the church, a couple of different ways, uh, fbcmilton.org slash giving. Just go to the church website, find the link for giving. Uh, you can do that right now. You're already online if you're watching this. You can do that right now. Uh, go and you can give your offering that way. It's completely safe and secure. You can then mail your offering to the church office, 6797 Caroline Street. Again, you can go and look at our website and find that address at the bottom. It's 6797 Caroline Street. Again, thank you for doing that. we got a big day coming up here Tuesday at First Baptist Milton. Uh, we are partnering with our friends with Feeding the Gulf Coast. Uh, we'll have about 10,000 pounds of food that is scheduled to be delivered uh, here to us, and we'll be distributing that on Tuesday. So if you are in need, if, if you're not wanting to get out to the madhouses uh, of Walmart and Target and Publix and everywhere else if there's a lot of people around at that time or or you just don't want to uh, get in that environment but you need some help then come up here to the church at 11 o'clock on Tuesday and we'll do our very best to to get some food uh, to you if you'll get in line and take part in that if you know someone encourage them to come and take part in that hope you'll tune in Wednesday at 6 p.m. on our Facebook and YouTube feeds we will have midweek Bible study a brief time there hope you'll tune in there and I hope you'll be back here next Sunday at 10:30 a.m. for well not here here but uh, here at your house here online only next Sunday uh, again we will have this time of worship together and I hope you'll be a part of that. As we close, I want to, uh, to pray for you and to pray for us and to pray for the, the cause of Christ going forward. Would you bow with me as we pray? Father God, thank you for your love. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you that you have enabled us to gather here together today and to worship. Father, I pray for each person that's listening, whether they're listening to us live, whether in your providence you'll see fit for people to listen uh, a week or a month or years from now, uh, somehow you'll cause this message and this time of worship to cross their path. We believe that you do that for a purpose because you want to speak to our hearts. So I pray for each person who is listening or will ever listen to this, God, that you would uh, speak to our hearts, that you would help us as we try to navigate the difficult seasons of life, and that more than anything else, you'd be glorified through all that we say and do. Now go with us as we live our lives. Keep us safe. Help us to use the, the common sense you've given to us. Help us to be mindful of our neighbors. And Lord, help us in all that we do to glorify Jesus. In his good name we pray. Amen.